0: hello friends and welcome to tell us more a podcast from lake forest church westlake all about the messages we hear each and every week i am your host nathan story and back again with me this week our pastor aaron gibson and our production youth guru caesar guerrero hey guys
1: hello hey nathan uh how are you guys doing how's everybody doing I'm in Hog Heaven, uh, where I live, up in Cheryl's Ford. It got cold enough, and we're kind of up on this little hill. Uh, there's ice all over our trees right now, and it is just beautiful. So, um, yeah, we're, my, my 12-year-old was hoping for some snow this morning. The weather was said it might, but no snow, just ice. Nice.
0: Well, you also have a possibility of snow on Christmas next week. Is
1: that true, Aaron? Isn't that wild? It keeps going back and forth, so depending okay. on what day, but yeah. Um, it says uh, snow on Christmas Eve now, is what I said this morning. So, but oh. the, the daily routine in the Gibson household is waking up and checking the weather app to see what's coming for Christmas. So, mm-hmm. I think you could
0: count snow on Christmas Eve as a white Christmas, like it, right? It's close enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll take it on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we'll, whatever, whenever it wants to come, we'll, we'll celebrate it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. Well,
0: speaking of Christmas, we're in the middle of our Advent series of Gift of Hope, and Aaron spoke for us this past weekend. This is our uh, third week in the series, I believe, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that message now. So Aaron, why don't you why don't you get us started and and tell us a little bit about your process and your thoughts about kind of bringing forth this, this message. Um, this third week of Advent message for us and gift of hope.
1: Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. We, we've, I've been loving the series and yeah. um, it's just been really cool to anchor down on this one idea of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes when we approach Advent, we try to cover all the bases and, and the traditional candles, Advent candles, hope is one of them. And so we'll typically talk about hope for one week. But this year we said, hey, we're just going to talk about hope every week. And, um, and explore it from multiple angles. And so it's been really fun. So one of the things we wanted to do was consider those who are really struggling uh, a little bit to find hope this year, particularly those who are grieving or facing some kind of loss or disappointment. And, and it doesn't have to be death, but just uh, a loss in their lives that's making it hard yeah. for them to find hope.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, so typically we Our our sister church, Lake Forest Huntersville, has done in the past a a blue Christmas service where they where they dedicate a whole um, evening or day to to kind of just admitting that you know Christmas can really stink for people that are really dealing with this and and uh, you know I I I tend to be a little somber I have a little bit of a melancholy personality so I, I appreciate when the church acknowledges. Um, you know that things aren't always joyful, and uh, you know for, for us, we have never had a in name a blue Christmas, but we we kind of behind the scenes called this past weekend our our, our blue Christmas. And uh, I'm curious for you guys, what what do you think the value? I, I I mentioned it. There's value for me, right, to hear to hear that it's okay to to feel somber, or, or to hear that there's still hope if you do feel blue. But uh, for you guys, have you had any personal experiences with this this year? Does it does this feel like a year where you've especially needed this hope series and to to have someone say to you or even say to yourself, um, "Hey, everything's okay. It's going to be okay, and you know, we we'll get through this." I'm curious, what you, you has this spoken to you in 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 this series?
1: Well, I certainly thought uh, interesting. See, I actually thought about you and Katie when I was writing this sermon. Because uh, one of the one of the losses this year for you guys was at least the the dreams or plans for your wedding, right? That was something that and it was a beautiful wedding, but it wasn't quite the wedding you had been planning for for a while. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that as an example of just one of the losses that that the kinds of losses that folks are facing uh, this year in 2020.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, for those who are listening, Aaron's uh, internet just went really slow, <laughs> so that might be. So don't worry; it's not your podcast uh, recording, I and mean, it's not your podcast episode downloading slow. It's it's Aaron, but he uh, yeah, just had still, like we still heard it. We still yeah. heard the question, um, just in real slow motion, which is kind of cool. That was Special really effects. Special effects. Yeah. Um. i well. When Nathan asked the question, you brought it up. I this is my demeanor or my personality, maybe more than demeanor um, is to, I, I don't really know how, how to go through grief. I'm not a seasoned mm. grief person. Um, my, my family hasn't really, we haven't had anyone pass away um, that had been close to me uh, yet. And, uh, and, and I, I, maybe that's, maybe that's only one form of grief but um but yeah i don't i don't know how yet how i really process the grief it's not something i've explored but i but i um i know other people who who um they'll ask me questions and say you must be so sad or or something like that and the wedding was one of them and i'm like i'm i'm actually not like i I don't i don't know how to feel sadness sometimes when when it's, uh, when you know, I haven't gone through it yet, so everything is was novel, right? So it's like, this is, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, you know, I don't <laughs> pass away Katie's uh, only wedding she'll ever experience, right? <laughs> you know? so, um, but uh, so it's like, yeah, that's the only wedding I that I know hmm. that I've walked through, you know, that's only one, it's only one marriage, so so I didn't feel the loss of anything initially um, because I didn't know any better but I think over the past couple months slowly just been kind of um, you kind of realize oh I missed out on this Mm. Um, so one of those was uh, my family lives in Texas and I don't think they've they visited me um, in North Carolina uh, one time to move me in twice to move me in my freshman and sophomore year, and then uh, another time for graduation. But since then, since I've graduated, have only come once for the engagement. And so I'm, I mean, a lot happens, you know, in a couple of years. So I was excited to have them come back to North Carolina and be a part of, you know, my life a little bit more, just, you know, physically. Um, And I didn't have that, but I didn't feel that until Thanksgiving or where we Mm. went and hung out with, uh, with Katie's family a little Mm -hmm. bit, not for Thanksgiving, but around Thanksgiving. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, when's the last time I've seen my family? And then I felt that, oh, they were supposed to come for my, for my wedding. So it's like months later, you know, Mm, where it's kind of hit you. Yeah. And so I think there's been multiple things like that, where it's like in the moment, I don't feel grief until a long time later and then I realize, Mm. oh I I've missed out on on something and it's usually that it's usually I've missed out on something or Mm -hmm. there's some there's a maybe a a new vacancy that has become apparent to me since that maybe initial moment like a falling out with a friend or, or or even a friend just moving away you know geographically speaking you don't realize oh I I really like hanging out with that friend, you know, when, until it's like a couple months later and you haven't seen that person a long time. So yeah, I don't, and I imagine that's what people kind of wrestle with around the holidays is like, mm-hmm. they, maybe that initial loss that they had, had, has, uh, you know, had brought one wave of grief, but now that there is a new loss of no longer having that person maybe in a in a familiar setting like a family member during thanksgiving or a family member being present during christmas it's like maybe that just kind of adds another wave of of loss um because of a vacancy you know um so yeah so maybe in some ways i'm i'm going to i'm going to you know be able to more empathize you, with people
1: <laughs> you you you're having a great christmas until i mentioned it it sounds like <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah no i mean at the, at, the, at the end of the day like i don't i don't feel the grief even when someone says oh that must be hard you to go to oh no i you know I've when someone, someone invites <laughs> yeah if someone if someone thinks a thought for me i don't feel the i don't feel the grief it has to yeah. come it has to come to me naturally mm-hmm. in like another moment um mm-hmm. it's not like my grief the- is in underneath
1: the whole time and someone uncovers <laughs> it you know yeah, I'm, I'm not a person who likes regret, you know, that's mm-hmm. like my, my least sort of emotion. And so sometimes I just don't even want to think about it. You know, it's, it, but I I think that is partly the idea behind the blue Christmas type idea is, hey, it'd just be good for us, kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room, and it might not be your story this year, but I think it's right. everybody's story at
2: some point. Yeah. yeah. And those processes of those, because you talked more specifically about the grief process in your sermon. hmm um, which i thought was a really cool kind of marrying of what I imagine comes from maybe psychology or just you know the counseling kind of practices and things like that kind of marrying that with a, a story that we've that honestly we've we taught on that on that particular story a couple of different times at at lake forest and so it's kind of cool to see it again kind of come to life again um, which was fun Um but I'm sure, it. I'm sure it really resonated with a lot of people to hear the, what, what the stage, are they seven stages? Are there seven stages of grief or?
1: Well, the, the historically there, there's a, uh, they are four, some would say five, um, okay. because, uh, and it, and it really goes back to some research done by a woman named, uh, Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and she wrote the seminal work on death and dying. Hmm. And, um, it really has shaped a lot of not, not just counseling practices, but even for, for pastors, how do we think about this and how we approach this? And so, um, yeah, so I, 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 I agree. So I think it's just helpful to be able to know Mm. that grief is a process and um, whether we, whether we agree with the four labels and four stages that, that I brought from, from Elizabeth uh, Kugler-Ross's research, or if you, you have some other stages, just the fact that we acknowledge there's a process to it. um, that it's not a one time light switch thing. I, I think that's helpful. And I think the scriptures point to that. Yeah, and I
2: liked how you brought in that even the personalities of the two different sisters who are grieving differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my follow up question is it I mean, personality is or the study of personality is So like pop culture right now, like, what enneagram type are you? What Myers Briggs are you? You know, are you an introvert or extrovert? Okay. Like, how static are? Okay, the- pause,
1: pause. Type two, ENFP, <laughs> uh, extrovert. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, yeah, I thought you were actually. <laughs>
2: that's, that's funny. Well, that's um, but yeah, with the grieving process, is it based, Do we grieve the same way every time there is a grief moment, or is it, or is it more? A, mm-hmm you know, fluid. Mm.
0: That's a great question. You know, it's funny, you guys talking about, you know, getting to the holidays a little earlier and I can remember Laura and I talking, you know, back in the summer, May, June, man, I'm so thankful all this COVID stuff is happening when it's nice outside, when it's
2: warm.
0: (laughs) Can you imagine going through all this, you know, during the holidays because people aren't going to stay away from their families, you know, we. (laughs) and yet, and here we are, right, having to deal with, the same things in a very different time and it's it's tough yeah
2: yeah so do we I mean Aaron you have a background in some of that kind of stuff and even your pastoral kind of care stuff do people grieve the same way or, or you know does it depend, like what Nathan's saying does it depend on the season yeah you know and the, what we're facing
1: well you know in the message I really tried to draw out the best of my understanding which is that the answer to your question is yes and no hmm. um you know uh Certainly, our personalities affect how we do everything in lo- in life. And I think that's one of the great um, helpful lenses from the scriptures: is that uh, we we are not all the same. There are things that make us distinct and different and unique, and that's going to affect how we grieve. And yet, at the same time, the paradox is there's a common journey that we all have to walk. And uh, that that was what I tried to draw out with those four mm-hmm. stages and to show that even though Mary and Martha initially approached the grief process differently, they're both invited to walk the same journey towards sadness, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. You know, we think of, wasn't well, it obvious that we feel sad when, when we lose something or when we lose a loved one. And, and the truth is, that's not actually the first emotion we usually experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's this whole other um, set of emotions that come and, and, uh, you know, many of our listeners will be familiar with, I think, um, the Jewish practice. There's a there's an old Hebrew practice that's called sitting Shiva. And I have to say that slowly so I don't accidentally get my words twisted there. But sitting <laughs> Shiva yeah. uh, is means to sit seven. And it comes from the old Jewish practice of sitting for seven days with someone in the time of loss. And what's really interesting is if you talk to a Jewish person who still practices this, they actually sit low. Uh, one of the things that families will do is they'll remove the furniture from the living room, hmm. so that you actually sit on the ground, or you sit on cushions on the ground. And there's just something, wow, beautifully physical about that that helps us remember. Yeah, there's something. There's a process going on here, and we got to give hmm. ourselves over to that if we're really going to not just sweep it all under the rug and try and move on.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you can't sweep it under the rug if you're sitting on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I think that's what's so interesting is even in the Lazarus story, which is why I was so excited to preach on it, uh, because we have talked about a lot. But when we talk about Lazarus, we're, we always want to rush to the empty tomb, right? Mm-hmm. We want to mm. get to the, the conclusion quickly. And what I thought was so fun about this was to not, eat, I don't even think we talked about the tomb in this sermon. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about the story before the story, mm-hmm. uh, because there, there's something really powerful for us in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was really struck by that. I, I had the opportunity to read the story before Aaron preached. And just as I was going over it in my, my personal you know, study of it, I, I was thinking how, like he, you guys mentioned that, that, you know, how different that. Response to the grief was, right? One sister came out to meet Jesus, the other one didn't. And I said, How how telling is that to the different ways that we can process grief? Like one immediately goes to the source of, you know, or, you know, for us we would call it the, the spiritual kind of comfort. And another one busies themselves or distracts themselves with 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 work and um yeah, I, just, I was struck by that. I thought that was so fascinating, and and again, a lot to take from the story, um, before the empty tomb part, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, so good. Well, and, and what's fun too is um, you know the the extra scripture study behind this. You know, Mary and Martha are are really essential characters in the gospel stories, mm-hmm. um, and and what's so neat about them is we we have um we don't just get a one-time encounter with them say you know like Zacchaeus or something like that right Mm -hmm. we actually have multiple encounters and so we we really kind of know we really know them uh from a lot of angles and um what most scholars believe this they this quite possibly was uh kind of one of Jesus closest friend families these three siblings and uh just kind of interesting for me as a as a as a pastor, but also as a follower of Jesus to think about that more human side of Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus had close friends, right? Yeah.
0: Jesus
1: Jesus had people he did life with. This is not a random, uh, a rando encounter with a stranger in a city where he's doing ministry. These were his friends. And, and that brings that whole story to a whole, uh, a whole new level as it were.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really is neat to see that, that side of, of Christ and, and you know, it, at the same time in his dialogue, you know, with this the sister who came out to meet him, he, he, you know, he suddenly puts on this this mysterious and and pastoral air so quick, quickly too. So you see the human side of him, and then you just so quickly see the the powerful side of him, and say, yeah. you know, just the the I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> like do yeah, you, yeah, yeah. do you believe it? It was like, whoa! Like he's not yeah. he's not. know biden is time you know although you did mention this aaron how that that jesus the shortest scripture the shortest passage of scripture in the bible is that jesus wept i think that's for is it verse 14 i believe it is of chapter 11 Mm -hmm. yeah and and how how long is that two sentence scripture in reality like how long was that process for him i I, i'm curious about that you know when did he pull himself up by his his bootstraps so to speak and then go on to to share the the resurrection quotes like how long was that that weeping i wonder you know
1: mm. yeah yeah and it's up fun. i mean that's part of what the scriptures do for us they they you know they invite us to enter into them imaginatively in that way right yeah, yeah just like you're doing how long how long did jesus what was that like to watch jesus weep right like what what must that have been like and um, and that whole interaction between Martha and Jesus is so fascinating because you're right. She comes out and and I try to draw attention to this. You know, again, we, we have to sometimes pause as we're reading scripture. We, we can uh, we, we need to enliven them in our minds with the emotions that are there. Not that we're changing them, but we need to try and capture what's that interaction like. And, and I, I really try to draw attention to the fact that it feels like Martha is just kind of rehearsing the Sunday school answers. Yeah, yes. You know, She's kind of saying what she knows she's supposed to say. And then Jesus just kind of blows that out of the water. It's just really <laughs> kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right. He he gets pretty profound there with his, his, I am statement. That, uh, lot lots we could say about that passage mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, if I could, let me ask this question. One that's kind of swirling in my brain as we switch gears a little bit here. I, I often find myself, uh, noticing, uh, just my the patterns and how i go to christ for hope um and and sometimes it's quicker when things are rough and and bad or stressful and sometimes sometimes i'm i'm quicker to do it when things aren't so bad so i just want your opinions uh noticing in your walk and in in your life how quickly do you kind of run to prayer or scripture or you know whatever it is that That helps you connect with with christ and in those times um and do you do you notice a a difference or something that's easier time that's it's easier for you when things are good or things are bad because often so i'll give you an example you know to use COVID, because we're thinking uh well gift of hope is something we need to talk about during this this year more than ever but but at the same time you know how how quickly a question that I think would be good to ask ourselves is how quickly do we run to that gift of hope when things aren't bad right
1: <laughs> like how, all right. All how
0: right. much because Jesus wants that he wants all of us right all the time so I'm just curious and, and you you two how do you notice yourself finding it easier to run to him when things are bad or when when things are good
2: Pastors first. I
0: stumped oh, you. I, <laughs> I I was saying I stumped you guys. I stumped you. That's a good question, I guess.
1: Okay, well let me let me uh let me do a little Keanu Reeves uh jujitsu ju- here from the Matrix and maybe dodge the bullet. Okay. I I, I think um you know, Nathan, I, I obviously I think it's good for us to turn to Jesus and run to him. But I also I guess the the longer I I walk with Jesus, the less I, I tend to beat myself up Mm. over when maybe I should have gone to him more quickly. Sure. Sure. Um, I I think we're, so I don't know. Sometimes I go to him quickly and sometimes, you know, he kind of lets me go to all my false hopes because he wants me to remember that they don't actually deliver. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I I think what I, what I've come to is the most important thing is that I go to him Mm. At some point, <laughs> that's and good. Yeah, prob- probably uh, sooner is better than later. On most, mm-hmm. in most cases, right. But um, you know, some. I th- I think it's okay. You know, sometimes when things are good, um, I-, I don't know. You know, that's that's interest. It's an interesting question. And yeah. I don't know that I need to feel guilty sure. that that when I'm in moment in seasons of just grace and goodness, that I'm not turning to him as quite as in the same desperation yeah i think i yeah. i gotta be careful i gotta be careful to not forget in those times right mm-hmm. yeah
0: that, i think that's kind of what i'm getting at how often i forget oh you know what things are great right now maybe i should say a little prayer thanks <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but that yeah, yeah, that it is a little right. bit of that it could be mm-hmm. motivated by guilt though you know and i don't think yeah. jesus wants that forth that's a that's a great point here
2: yeah i wonder if there's like a personality too like so, i mm-hmm. mean th- there's certain people i'm maybe not maybe this is too much of a generalization but at least in the tradition that I grew up in, and I think especially because of the family I grew up in, when you go to church every single week, there's this expectation, almost that every week is kind of the highlight of your spirituality or your relationship with Jesus is is really close on yes. Sunday mornings, and so your Sunday morning experience is basically, and this is how I, I remember hearing it, is is the is the time where you got your batteries recharged. And so, and so I think growing up with that kind of a, maybe even a visual, you know, having your batteries yeah, really did some, did some, um, kind of formative stuff in, in my, in my own heart and my own understanding of even my relationship with Jesus that, that I, I wonder now that I'm a little bit older and realize that your week to week isn't, um, maybe as a conclusive or indicative of how things are going hmm. as much as maybe your month to month or your year to year rhythms. Hmm. And, and I even remember having some conversations recently with, with someone that, that um, if you would have asked me a, like, a, like a few years ago, how life was going, I would have told you, oh yeah, it's going really great. And you know things are going awesome and you know I'm getting, getting somewhere and all those kinds of things. And I would look back on that person, on that version of being like, oh my gosh, this person's like full of, full of bad, not bad things, it's, it's just full of it, right? They don't know that there's, there's this other thing that's happening that doesn't even, you know, start having its first fruit until like a couple of years after that, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think there's this like level of like, sometimes my conversations with Jesus are like, oh my gosh, Jesus, like, this has been a year long this has been a year long trajectory, right? Where um, last year it's like, man, I thought I was, I thought I was really good and things were high and things were going really well in my spiritual journey. But now I would look back on it and like, that's a low point, (laughs) you know, that's a a low. And so I was even maybe even going to Jesus during my lows as if they were my highs. And, um, and I think that just, that's just so much fun to kind of have, I think in my understanding of my relationship with Jesus is that even years later or months later, he's still speaking into those particular moments, right. Where I might yeah. be going to him or not going to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're really fun. It's really fun to kind of re reflect on things that I feel like, Oh, I've reflected all of this, you know, yeah. I've, I've done, I've done everything that I need to do that particular moment. Um, That's so, so, I don't know.
0: That's so good, Cesar. I've seen many people mention this online. And um, because if you thought you were spending way too much time online before COVID,
1: (laughs) like
0: like all this downtime, I think it's just made Mm, us obsessed with it. But one of the things that has encouraged me and actually given me a good perspective is is people posting things along the lines of what if this year isn't the depths of despair? Like, what if this is actually the pruning year that not just you personally need but like our world needs for us to get things back into alignment back into to shape even to cut out things that are have been keeping us away from from god and who he wants us to be and mm-hmm. you know that that is is remarkable uh, to think about uh because yeah. we see that in scripture right that what what enemy meant for evil god actually intends for good and i Mm -hmm. i'll use a a kind of a personal example you know one of the things i've mourned and grieved over losing is is just just progress in general like i feel like this year i've just kind of hit walls everywhere because you know of this this thing that we're facing and and what i've had to realize and is is well you know now i have downtime. now i have personal (laughs) time to work on this project or you know whatever it is and you know what if again on a mass scale what if 2020 is that for our world but what if what if you know the the death of progress is the thing that actually is going to move you forward (laughs) Mm -hmm. so the the grieving thing is actually moving me forward you know what an what an amazing opportunity for us if we Mm -hmm. if we approach it that way
2: right yeah i i remember having a conversation with a friend last week and they were saying how um they were feeling really optimistic about 2021 yeah And they felt like, oh, you know, nothing could be as bad as this past year. And I think 2021 is going to be a better year. And I was like, I remember lots of people saying that about 2019 (laughs) and being like, just because of the fact that there was symmetry in the number, you know, it's a new decade. 2020 was going to be the thing, right? Everybody was excited about it. And and I, and I, maybe I I shouldn't have said this, but I said, well, people were feeling that way about 2020 (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, and I, and, and as much as I think optimism is great, you know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm always a little bit just kind of a condescending toward, Mm -hmm. towards it. it. But it doesn't come from a place of cynicism, but it does come from a place of like, I I just genuinely don't know, you know, if this year of 2020 is actually going to be a five-year thing, you know, not to say that COVID is going to be around for that long, but you know, those, those kinds of rhythms of despair and, um, and of uh, success are honestly, now that I read, I've been reading a lot more Old Testament stuff and uh, that's just not the privilege that the people of, of Israel and the writers of a lot of Old Testament scripture have of this kind of like, oh, it's, it's only going to last for a calendar year, right? (laughs) You know, these these people walk through decades, years. I mean, Aaron, you you touched on this, the the last time you preached just how um, Simeon waits for decades, you know, and how long do we have that perseverance? And I think there was something in that preaching that like kind of unlocked something for me that I'd been reflecting on, but didn't know how to like really tie it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that idea of tension and stretch, and even this this week about grief, and, and and Nathan, your question of like how long is that is that passage of Jesus what actually long, yeah. you know, as far as time goes, it's only two words, but for how many minutes, for how many hours did that happen, you know? And I and I think sometimes. I kind of like to explore that. It's like, well, you know, what if, you know, what if I just took away the privilege of thinking that 2021 because it's a different number is going to have a different outcome and just kind of sit with the whatever it is that I'm supposed to be sitting with in the moment. The yeah. sitting Shiva, what, what's that called, Aaron?
1: You said it, sitting Shiva. Sitting yeah. Shiva, yeah, yeah, like
2: for seven days, maybe not for a year, but for seven years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. There, I think, but I think that's freeing. You know, that's, yeah. that should be at least freeing because it's like, oh, I don't, you know, the the universe does not have to bend to my mm. to my constraints of of uh, of like what I think is good and bad. It just gets to be it, and I get to just trust Jesus that He's going to sit with me, like mm. no matter what, which is kind of fun for me, at least to reflect on.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. As we as we wrap up our time here, Aaron, any any last last words for us? Any uh, final thoughts? What's the one takeaway we would hope people would have from this week's message?
1: Um, that that uh, the grief is a process, and that hope is found by walking that. Mm. That journey, right? Mm-hmm. Not, it's not a microwavable vending machine kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's a journey, and and I think you know what I what I hope people are doing in this series is, and, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, but these sermons are meant to work together to paint a picture of hope. Mm. So we, you know, Caesar named it. We started by talking about waiting and the role that waiting has yeah. and anticipation. Last week, Mitch talked about perseverance. Uh, how do we, you know, and, and that, that that's a vital part of that. Um, this last week, we talked about naming, naming the loss, naming the hard part um, and, and walking through that. And then uh, this coming Sunday, we're going we're gonna to turn, uh, we're coming back to that, that overarching theme that the, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Uh, and that you might, uh, he might fill you with hope to the point of overflowing right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the, the kind of the radical notion that we're going to end on, if we've done the first three, if we really considered those radical notion that we have the power, not only to be filled with hope, but to bring hope and share it with others. So, Hmm. uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. It feels Hmm. like the right, the right season, but I I would say for anyone who's missed any one of the messages, you know, they really do work in tandem. It might be worth to go back and kind of catch up on anything you've missed out on.
0: Yeah. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank Aaron and Caesar for joining us again. And we hope wherever you are in this process of finding hope and uh, and claiming the gift of hope this year that you find peace in it. Um, Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thanks for being here. Uh, Thanks. Join us us next time when we ask those ministering to us to tell us more. Goodbye.